Hi, everybody. I am your host, Mark Paul Freeman, and I am certain that this is the end of the I am certain that this is a podcast podcast. We've reached track 10, the last episode. Uh, I'll introduce you really quickly to everyone here, and then we'll discuss the last song on this album. Um, but it's been it's been really fun being here with everybody, so I appreciate you listening. If you've gotten to this point, um, I'm here obviously with Anna, my wife. Hello. Dan Folgato. Hello. And yes, if you were wondering and just missing her, we have brought back Meg Folgato for one last time. Yes. Hey, everybody. Um, yeah, I'm just really thankful to have everyone here and just to be finishing this out. Uh, this is a this is the final song on the album. It is called Alone. And we're just going to get into it. I think that this one really just kind of like turns and gets to a soft finale, um, both in, you know, the, the way that this song sounds, the, the content of it. Um, yeah, Anna, like how did this end up as the final song? I, I know that as you're constructing the album, there's lots of ways that you can put songs together. Um, and some people will kind of like put a softer song somewhere and then end big or vice versa. Like where does this fit for you and how did it end up to be the last on the, on the record? Well, we had lots of different, Dan and I texted many different orders back and forth and then would listen to it through and see how it's, it flowed. But I'm pretty sure in every single order, this was the last song in the album. It just always felt like a concluding song. I love when songs end soft, but I love soft songs. So I think I would never end an album like on a big note because I don't <laughs> really live life on a big note, you know? <laughs> so anyways, yeah. I, I like where the song sits. Yeah. I mean, to me, this truly feels like the kind of like exhale. You've like reached the end of a day and turned all the lights off and you're like sitting in the room with like one lamp and just thinking through something heavy. Um, Sounds like my Tuesdays. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like, I mean maybe explain your approach and the origin of the song and we can kind of go into you know more of the lyrical content and stuff but like where where did this come from i mean so this one's an interesting one because i mean it's a very it's very sad it, it like sounds sad i think that something that i love is i feel like the the line between sadness and beauty in music and art and everything is very close to each other. So this song to me sounds very sad and it's also the most beautiful sounding song to me on the album, um, which I, I love, I love that dichotomy. Um, Cause I think both of those things to me feel like soft emotions, like tears I think are beautiful. I think vulnerability is beautiful and, but they're also sad. So I think that's what this song feels like to me. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a very, it's a very personal song. And so the song is about like 
kind of a loss of relationships. It's about growing older. So kind of, um, I think it was actually my sister that said this and I thought it was really wise that like we spend all our childhood constructing the boxes of like life. Um, what's good, bad, what's safe, what's unsafe, what's black, what's white, what's, where do we fit in all of that? And then it's kind of like our 20s is putting all of those other people into boxes, maybe. I don't, I'm probably getting this wrong. But then in our 30s, which is where I'm at, is the boxes all, like the lids fly off, everything changes, the boxes crumble, <laughs> and you're kind of left with like, okay, what do I do now? And I don't really know what happens in your 40s and 50s, but I hope, I don't know if I make new boxes or if there's no more boxes, maybe there's spheres. Take sides of some and create yeah, them who knows? together with new but shapes. But a, a lot of it is this, there's um, every verse of this song ha has like a, what once was is now this. And, and a lot of that is the way that I saw things, mostly... I, wouldn't, I don't know if they're all as a, like a child, but like as a young person, whether it's a kid, a teen, early 20s or something, but now how it's how it's panned out. And um, a lot of that is more of a sad kind of outlook, but I also think that's kind of how life is. Like, I mean, I guess I'm speaking from a spot where I had like a good childhood. I had a loving family, a, a whole kind of, I don't know, support system around me and many people do not. So from my vantage point, when I look back on my childhood, I see a lot of things that felt very like firm. <laughs> and now as an adult, things are just not that concrete and they're not that um, easy anymore. And so I think it's a, a lot of the song is talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. I hear a lot of what you're saying in terms of the boxes. It's like you spoke of it, like you are constructing something as you get older. And then there seems to be a point where that doesn't make sense anymore. So you have to reconstruct. But I, I think I see it more as like you're handed a blueprint mm -hmm. because you're born into a system, you're born into a culture, you're born into whatever that looks like in your family unit, in your culture. And so you're constructing, but only within that blueprint that you're already handed. And there comes a point when we tend to outgrow those blueprints because we're realizing our experience exceeds the bounds of what we were given and how we were structuring our perception of the world. And so that kind of gets blown up a little bit and we need to start again. That's mm -hmm. what I hear you saying. Um, and even about your experience of like so much goodness in your childhood with your family. Like there was so much abundance. Um, and so at, at some point, um, reminds me of one of your other songs that we talked about in terms of um, like Ecclesiastes. And like mm -hmm. at some point you're going to bump up against the human experience of loss and of brokenness. And where do those boxes fit? especially when you come from such a place of abundance, having to navigate loss and death and fracture and um, just the brokenness that we all face as humans. Yeah, there's going to need to be a lot of reconstruction on what does this mean because this doesn't fit with my experience. And now there's this 
there's this void, there's a hole now I, I need to do something with. And what do I do with it? For sure. Yeah. And I even remember like when Mark and I first got married, cause I, we got married relatively young and I, in college lived with roommates and then I moved back in with my parents after um, college. And so I went straight from my parents' house to marriage. I never lived like on my own before getting married. And I remember that feeling of like, I think it was probably living in Seattle, walking from my car to my apartment, like in the dark, being like, I'm, it's on me now. Like, <laughs> I, I don't have another person. I don't have like my dad the same way. Like marriage is different than a father-daughter relationship, obviously. Um, and that feeling of like, yeah, being alone in my apartment. I remember I was like scared to take a shower by myself. I'd never been that feeling of like, I'm the adult now, like so vulnerable it is. And it's also, and then if you have kids and it's like, it's on you, you have to be the one. And like, in many ways, I am a stay at home mom, which means like I am alone with my children constantly. And there's a lot of that just in and out nitty gritty parenting that I am doing by myself. And I think sometimes I grieve that like I, I look at other cultures of like, um, I just feel like sometimes other countries do this better. Like people aren't so isolated. People aren't so alone. People do drop in on each other in the middle of the day. Stay at home moms do it together. Like different generations did this better. My mom like had talked about when she was a stay at home mom, like they all like brought the kids together. The kids played while they like, did an exercise, drank coffee, like all the, everybody was together. It was like a more collective sort of way. And that's not how it is anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think a lot of this like is grappling with that kind of bit too. Like there is like loss and grief, but it's also just being like an adult. (laughs) I don't know, is is hard. It's hard for me. I'm a very human oriented person Mm -hmm. not to drop a bomb. I'm an Enneagram too. I'm very like con- connected and to the humans around me. And so I think that it's hard. I don't know. It feels harder for me than some other people who are ha- happy with their alone time. I feel like I'm, I struggle with it more. Yeah. You also come from a very different experience. And so like we all have different losses going from childhood to growing up. Mm-hmm but yours, like you were born into a village and, yeah. but that's not what our culture promotes. That's not what the white culture promotes. Yep. It, it promotes individualization and autonomy. Yeah. And so it's like, you're born into this abundant village. And so a huge part of a loss for you and growing up is losing that village. Mm-hmm. And now you find yourself not in a village and mm-hmm. needing to be the parent now and still longing for that village to come alongside you as you flourish in adulthood. Mm-hmm. Like there's something about flourishing that's connected to being in a village. Yeah. And so that part of you, you, you feel that it's not there. You feel that void. It sounds like that's a lot to what the song is speaking to is that void that lives with you mm-hmm. because of that loss in growing oh, up. Yeah, for sure. And I think something that I felt I remember feeling kind of like a tenacity. It's kind of a weird word. But um, when I sat down and wrote this song, I was like, I want to tell the truth of how I feel right now. 
and I'm going to push off all thoughts of how to like resolve this within the song. And I'm going to try to be honest to the feeling that I'm feeling right now. Um, Cause I, I struggle sometimes, especially I'll say it in like Christian being a Christian and knowing sometimes you can know the answers to your own detriment where like, because you know that God's with you, you don't actually grieve your loneliness or because you know that God is in control, you don't actually feel the depths of your worry and fear and anxiety. Like be, um, I think sometimes the quote unquote knowing um, can also be sometimes be unhelpful for you as you're trying to process through life. And so as I was writing this song, that was something that it was honestly like, it was a very painful song to write. I remember out of all of these songs, having tears like streaming down my face as I was writing it. Um, And I wrote it just like in one sitting, which that's not true of a lot of the songs. Um, But yeah, I just was trying to, as, as best as I could try to be very faithful to what I was feeling at the moment. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. You're trying to be present to the grief mm-hmm. as opposed to there can feel like this dichotomy sometimes in Christian culture where it's like, I can't be in the depths because that feels not faithful or like, am I a good enough Christian if I am honest about not feeling God's presence or whatever that thing may be? Mm-hmm. Um, when in actuality, like, having the integrity and the honesty to name those things, like that is the human experience. God knows that. And so that is way more honest. Um, And I think it holds a lot more integrity to your faith journey than not allowing yourself to feel those things because there's fear of whatever that fear may be, but it's bumping up against like this, this idea that like, I need to just, be happy all the time and say that God's with me and that I feel that when that's not actually the human experience. Well, I think that it's also the fear that if I were to say, I feel alone right now. And then I, and then I just sit there. What if God says nothing? I think for me, sometimes my fear is more with him than it is with how will other people feel about this? Like I struggle sometimes in the moment when I'm really struggling, like, all right, Jesus, like I need you now. And then it's quiet. Like, what do you do? What do you do with that? Which is how much of the time? It's a significant amount of the time. Almost the entire time. And that's something that I felt a lot of comfort as I've gone much deeper into like the Old Testament and to realize that's the story of the Bible. People had decades of gaps. Yes, so yeah. long between God talking. And sometimes just like they had one moment that was like, I think that was, I think that was it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it's quiet for the rest of their lives. And yeah. I get it. It's, it is different on this side of Jesus. Like I do believe the Holy Spirit is available for all people, whereas the Old Testament is different. But even with Moses, where he had like a direct line of speaking to God, I remember this blowing my mind to realize that like 
When he went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, he was up there for an entire week before God talked. And to think about like, seven days is a long time to be up on a mountain where like, you know, who knows what is going down <laughs> down at the bottom. And like, you go up there in faith and like, I don't know if I would have stayed up there for seven whole days. And in the grand scheme of timeline, seven days is not long. But to think about being up somewhere for an entire week without God talking, but then he comes. And I just think like, there's a pattern that's that's given to us in scripture. And I don't think people maybe talk about it as much right now of like in Christian culture, it seems, at least for me, the way that prayer, and maybe some people really do have this prayer life of like, I pray, God says this, I pray, God says this, you know? But there are times, at least from my experience, that it's months and months before I have any sort of like, oh, I, oh, okay. Like, I think, I think that's what, you know, God was, God is saying or whatever. Um, and it's a, it's a long time. And so, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of <laughs> that feeling of feeling alone. I've had that many times where I'm in my living room, everybody's asleep. I'm up with insomnia praying and it's just very quiet. <laughs> yeah. When you name that fear, like that fear of that feeling of aloneness being reaffirmed, mm-hmm. like what else are you going to do except cry out when you feel alone? And if there's still nothing, it's like, what is this? Like, what do you do with that feeling of abandonment from mm-hmm the creator of the universe. So you put a buffer up so you don't cry out because at least if you can say that the bandaid thing or whatever, then you don't have to actually sit there in the depth and say, where are you? And know that there's a high chance that you won't hear an answer. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, I don't know, that's, that's hard. And I think I only maybe in the past couple of years have started to really like walk into that and walk into that uncomfortableness. Cause that's a, that's not just uncomfortable. That's like a deep, we're getting to like the core of what we believe. Who do we believe in? Why are we here on earth? Like this is deep mm-hmm. stuff. Oh yeah. It's existential, but it also like, there's so it's incredibly painful because mm-hmm. it bumps up against our stories. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, like what is your relationship with silence or even abandonment? Like, now we're getting real deep, you mm-hmm. know, because you're not just dealing with your faith, like you're dealing with your whole lived experience. And there are some really deep wounds that that can touch for each one of us in our stories. And I think those are the places where we're most terrified to go. Um, because it's not just that we're experiencing that with God, it's that that experience with God is then reaffirming our whole lived experience and what is the most true about us or what we fear is the most true about us, which are generally the lies we believe about ourselves. Mm-hmm. For sure. The song holds a lot, a lot of weight, a lot of meaning. Yeah. And I think like rightly so it's back to the beauty and sadness combination. I think it is so simplistic and just kind of like leaves you know uh, I think Dan mentioned this on a previous episode like this is the song of just leaving space Mm -hmm. um, just in the way that it doesn't get 
it doesn't grow a ton. Um, it's very sparse. Just you on the piano is kind of like how you wrote it. It's mostly the way it stayed. Um, I just think that it sounds the way that it is meant to be interpreted, if that makes sense. Um, and I, I don't think you needed to add anything different than what was there. Um, kind of like leaving that room to let people essentially listen to the words and just kind of have um, the 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 bed of what's there musically to kind of just like lightly support the processing that you were going through. I don't know. It just works. It works really well for me. And from, from the beginning, I, I kind of liked this one and the melody of it even just as like a very compelling song. Um, and I think it just lends itself to just sitting with, with headphones in the dark room, just taking it in. Hmm. Yeah. It's, I think I said this in the last episode there's something to me about i love uh, when you say instrumentals i don't think it like gives it justice like the the strings and vocal stuff in the song like to me those are where i'm like that's where the tears are if that makes sense so like you're singing or you're feeling and you're like processing and you're saying your things but there's a point in which you can't keep talking and you just start crying and that's when like that part happens mm -hmm. to me the, the way that I sing this see the song and I love like I just had this weird idea at the beginning to have like vocals and strings like intermixing with each other and I I think it's really beautiful how it turned out so yeah and one I don't know if anybody else will think this is cool but I I think it's cool every rhyme in this song in the verses is the same rhyme. Mm. And that was really hard to do. And I was really like, it felt good at the end <laughs> that like, it's the same literal one for like the entire song. So that's a little nugget. It's a big accomplishment. Thank you. Giving the same rhyme through the whole song. It's a lot of words that yeah. have to have the same rhyme. I just love how this song applies. It can applies to everyone. Everyone, every single human knows this experience of feeling alone and of feeling like they just wake up and they're like, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. This was not the trajectory I had mm -hmm. set for myself. This is not what I thought was going to happen. And yet here I am. Um, I think that's why this song is so emotional and why like in its simplicity, it still stirs up so much emotion is because it's so raw in its simplicity. Everyone's like, yes, I know exactly what that feels like. And it, it, it's close. Um, even if you're not tuning into that part of yourself, as you put on the song, it can kind of transport you to these places, um, in your story where you're like, I know exactly how that feels and listening to it brings you right back to those places for reflection, for, sitting in the dark on a Tuesday night, contemplating <laughs> what is my life and how did I get here? And, you know, if you're not still there, like what beauty has come from it or how am I still thick in that silent place, just waiting for an answer. Um, 
so I think it's there's something really unifying about it because mm. everyone listening knows knows this experience and I think that would be my hope of this song and the whole album honestly is to invite people to feel the things and face the things and like sit with it and be in the uncomfortable because you know I wrote these songs for my own processing I didn't write them for the thought of like putting them out on the internet you're just like processing through life but that decision to put music out has that hope that like maybe someone else who hears this will either feel less alone it will help them give them permission to like ask their messy questions or, you know, whatever the thing is. Um, and I, obviously I have no idea, but I think it took me a long time with being okay with the fact that my music is not very conducive to like, we're going to do some dishes and just put on some light music in the background or playing a you know at a winery and you're just this like nice background music it's it doesn't work that way it's uncomfortable it's like it's too heavy it's too weighty and I think once I made peace with that and realized oh there's lots of different uses for music and maybe mine is going to be more of a weighty one and for people who want to walk towards that or feel that like I would I would love that I would love for you to listen to a song of mine and have that kind of spur something on in your own processing or your own, you know, um, living of life. But mm -hmm. it's an invitation. Yeah. Is this what it means as the future comes near? Yeah, and maybe that's a good maybe that's a good place to kind of wrap up this song um, and discuss maybe like a few of your thoughts on the whole album. I mean, you, you just touched on it a little bit, but I feel like what what are some memories or just like what are you proud of with these sets? These sets it is one set of songs like these 10 songs we've talked about it in previous episodes a little bit about you know your songwriting and what has happened over the past few years to kind of get to this point but i guess just for your own sake like what do you feel proud of for concluding this album and having it out in the world now um yeah i mean there's a lot that i feel proud of i think the first thing that comes to mind is just that I I feel proud that I was brave and that I did it because I don't like being in front of people. <laughs> I don't like pushing myself in front of people. I don't like being in the spotlight. And that took me a long time to be able to grapple with, which is why I didn't make music till I was in my 30s. Um, not, I mean, publicly didn't make music. Um, and so I think I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I don't, click, I don't fast forward or like click to the next song if one of my songs comes on. And I've always done like, I mean, I don't want to bash on my EP, but I struggle <laughs> more with those songs and I don't enjoy like listening to them for my own sake as much. 
And these ones I really, I genuinely like. I'll like listen to it and kind of like, it's it's a weird thing to, because I've always been such an intense critic of my own music. And so to be able to listen to something and actually enjoy it is cool. Um, and then, yeah, I think I feel proud that I told the truth and was vulnerable with like the lyrics of the song and probably also that I learned how to mildly collaborate because I can tend to be stubborn. Sorry, Dan. You did great. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> we only had one conflict in seven yeah, that's, days. That's great. That's great. Mark? How we many never, conflicts have I had? No, no, oh, no. We, oh, you and oh. I never had conflicts. Oh, no, Mark's no, no, no. easy, easy. He's <laughs> not going <laughs> to. Maybe to wrap up, we could do what was your favorite song to both work on slash play on and just like overall to listen to? Or favorite memory? Oh, also that's like a third question. Okay. No, no, I think we should do Let's it. Let's add it. Third, third question. Okay. okay. Starting with Dan. Okay, go. Okay. Ache was my favorite one to work on because I feel like we made so many mistakes that worked. <laughs> <laughs> and along the way, we just embraced the mistake. I think we talked about it, but Ache, it was 98 degrees inside of the studio. It was above a garage. And it was a great place to record, but dear Lord, was it hot that week. <laughs> and at one point I just looked at Mark and I said, we had this little portable air conditioning unit. And I just said, we're keeping it on for the take. And it created all these fun noises that we ended up using. Yep. And I just, that to me feels like one of my favorite memories. I would say that, could I have top three favorite songs? That's a lot. Out of 10, that's pretty good. For a non-committal person, that's pretty great. <laughs> My favorite third, like, what's the third? Right. Yes, yes, 30%. that's exactly what I'm saying. My favorite three in no particular order. Ache, Alone, Rocky Ground. Okay. And favorite memory. I actually have referenced this quite a few times not in this podcast, but in other conversations with friends in a really weird roundabout way. But the first night we did some recording and then we just talked for two hours. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was really meaningful and special to kind of get at what you had been processing as a human, not just like musically, but like how this was all connected to your story. And I just remember that being a really special moment for me. Mm -hmm. So that's mine. Hmm. Yeah, it changes how it changes what goes up on from there, right? Yeah, it felt like it gave me like purpose and context for the rest of the mm -hmm. week, which is cool. Okay, Anna, you're up next. Oh, I think next? Anna should go last. Oh, yes. I need. More that time. means I have to go. Yep, Anna should go last. Make can uh, say your favorite song. Okay, yeah, mm -hmm. I can. Um, I would say my favorite is actually alone. Um, fitting mm -hmm. oh I think for myself I I tend to lean towards 
more melancholy music because I, I like it as a place of reflection and dropping down into myself. And I also appreciate you making a song like that. And that's not the only song that you've made like that, but this one specifically, I think because it is so unifying to the human experience. And as a therapist, I really appreciate music that exists that can allow people to drop down into this experience of most people are feeling that way but not a lot of people will drop down into it and give themselves the space and time to sit in that space. And music is a really powerful way of doing that. And the song does that. So this is why Alone is my favorite. Hmm. Thanks, Meg. Yeah. For me, let's see. So I think my favorite one to work on was probably I Believe because I don't get to play drums like that very much or really ever. So it just was kind of like the song that was like, oh, okay, you can just kind of let loose and play whatever feels right. And Mike was there playing bass live and we were just kind of like going for it. Those are um, your best drums. So I, I, just love, thought, I love the drums on that song. I just thought it was fun to like, I don't know, however much Mark Paul Freeman can let loose, which is not very much. He put quotes up when he said let um, loose. You all can't see that. <laughs> uh, it just was, it was fun to to play and kind of improvise and all that on that song. Um, yeah, favorite one to play on. There were some other cool parts too, but like that was probably the highlight. Um. And then to listen to, I'd say it's, I don't know. I'd probably say like revival has now grown on me more than like when I first got, heard it. And even like when it was first being recorded, there were some other ones I preferred, but now that one just has like such a different, unique sort of fit. And I think it works really well. Um, but I also like Alone as well. Like it was always one of the melodies that stuck out to me. And it just is like a pretty song. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like I like most of all of them. But, you know, <laughs> that's what I'd say. Top two. Um, what was the last question? Memory. Oh, man. I've witnessed so much of all of this, not just the recording time. <sighs> There's like different things I could say. I think I would like the most, one of the most memorable <laughs> was like the whole ache drum battle with, we've already talked about this with like Dan and I in the studio, Anna at home with our sick, children total mess i was trying to figure out drums texting you oh this is terrible but whatever it was crazy um eating peanut butter cups at the studio always it's the only way i can do my best work <laughs> until they were all like liquefied oh my gosh until they all literally <laughs> melted in the in because the thing. it was 98 degrees yes, as aforementioned um or just 
recording some stuff here at home again. Like, because the piano that we recorded is here in our, like, literally 10 feet from me right now in our living room. I think it's just cool to kind of, like, have that time where Anna is, like, in her normal zone and just being able to, like, play in our own house and record that for a lot of the songs. Like, that's where the piano came from. So it was cool to see, too. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got we will mine. end with Anna. Yes. Favorite song to work on? Revival. I have, I mean, it's kind of my favorite memory, but I will choose something different. But that moment when we like had the idea to do the choral vocals and then Dan had like a mic in the bathroom and then like a mic on the other side of the studio and the reverb was like more reverb than I'd ever heard in my life. And then I just like sang oddly high notes, but somehow they sounded great because of all the reverb. And it was the most like empowered, like, like I've ever felt, you know? And so I think I really enjoyed, I also loved that I got to write like a choral part by ear. Like mm. I, we just kind of built the parts in a row and then I just got to sing something that, I don't know, kind of like fit what I was hearing. And then I don't know, I, that's what it ended up being and, Hmm. that was it was just fun i think for me um my favorite this one's interesting it's not what i expected but the favorite song to listen to it's the song out of every song that still makes me emotional when i listen to is i believe for some reason that one i like feel something every single time that song comes on specifically as it builds like in the the part where it's really growing um it just has like such a deep like pleading and longing and ache into it and so that that's probably my favorite one to listen to that or i'm certain that one's just very satisfying <laughs> that's why i said too i guess but i i do really enjoy listening to that song and that one's fun to be like yeah i can do something peppy and it just like it's it has like good swag it all like mixes really well everything fits in its right spot mm -hmm. i feel really proud of that song um and then favorite memory i don't i think it is again i think i had so much fun doing the vocals on this album and so when i think back like sitting in chad's studio i think i like probably had taken my glasses off i'm legally blind without my glasses taking my glasses off close my eyes i have potato chips and whiskey <laughs> And just like close my eyes. It was like, yeah, really hot in there. And I just remember feeling like actually confident. And that feeling for me is really, is a fun feeling because I was terrified with my EP. Like every vocal session, I was so tense and nervous and like, I don't know. And so the feeling that I was just like, yeah, let's do it. eating chips. Like, I, I don't know. It just had such a fun, um, and especially like being, I, mean, I I love my children. I don't want this to sound like it, you know, I don't like being with my kids all day. I genuinely love my children, but being able to go from being a stay-at-home mom to being like, no, I just my whole goal right now is just to get a good vocal take. Like what a treat. <laughs> There's nothing else I need to think about or care about in this moment. And I don't really get that very often. And so that felt really fun. It just felt very carefree. Yeah. And an, you know, an experience that you don't get to do very much, which is to like go yeah. 
focus on something that that has no distraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't get to do that often. So yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Thank you, Dan, mm-hmm. once again for all of your help and always. It was just such many, a fun time. Many more things to come. Yeah. There's already so- reworked songs in that are happening. There's mm. there's stuff going on. But for anyone who's listened this far, thank you for following along, supporting his music. Find it everywhere, all the things. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for the podcast. And we'll just end with Alone in its entirety. What once was whole is broken down was absolute but no longer found in The clock is well enough.